You're listening to. To Books and Boba, a book club and podcast about books by Asian and Asian American authors. I'm one of your hosts, Marvin Yue, and I'm Rira Yu. And yeah, this is our um, book news and new releases episode where we go over the uh, new releases and book news of the month of September. It's um it's our one year anniversary episode too. It's been uh, exactly twelve months since we started this podcast, or this month will be twelve months, or the first month of the new year. Because last month was twelve months. Anyways, we've been around for a year. <laughs> Yay us! Um, how do you feel, Rira? I'm, I'm kind of shocked that you haven't, uh, like, you read every single book for each month. Like, you managed to finish it. I mean, I listened to a couple of them. I thought I thought there would be at least one that you would be unable to finish on time. To be fair, there were, there was one where I did not finish, and it just didn't come to the book club uh, meeting. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> um, but I did finish by the time we recorded. Which that, is, that's the important part. Um, but yeah, it's been... Um, what, what has been your favorite uh, book so far? My favorite book so far has been, um, I want to say... Huh, that's a good question. There's been a lot of really good ones. A lot a lot of variety, which is thanks yeah. to Riva for... Um, I guess I guess like it, it might be hard to pick a favorite. So I guess one that stands out to you from the bunch... Um, honestly, it was um, everything that I never told you. The second book we read, um, it's still one of the more like memorable ones. Memorable ones that I read. Um, I really like. I know you didn't like it, but I really liked How to Survive in a Science Fictional Universe. <laughs> um, but you can listen to our discussion there with with guest Chris Din. I think it's mostly it's more form for you than than content, right? For that one. Yeah, it was it was definitely more form than <laughs> prose. I, I am I am a very very picky reader and. Which was interesting because typically I don't enjoy stream of consciousness, but that one I was able to um, to get to get behind. I'm not <laughs> saying that it was a bad book; it was just not my cup of tea. But okay, <laughs> well, um, I guess for me, one that really stands out was uh, Sorcerer to the Crown because I'm yes, that's another one that I really I, I am yeah. definitely all about uh, like magical fantasy historical fiction pieces. There's oh, they're so glorious. I love it so much. <laughs> I really like that was one that I was impressed about how many like subversions to the Jane Austen esque like genre um, Zencho was able to squeeze into that book because you had um, you had a black sorcerer you had a stronger sorceress you had familiars you had um, the Jane Austen like high society was it Regency era yeah Regency Britain era. mixed with this Harry Potter world of magic. Like honestly, after after we recorded our episode for that, I just like to all of my friends, I was like, "You need to read this because just talking to one other person about it is not enough." Yeah. So, and I love that the big battle at the end was just a battle of wits, not even a magic battle. I mean, I love it's Princess awesome. Bride, and uh, one of my favorite scenes from that movie and and book is like the battle of wits. Yeah. And, you know, just How, love it so much. Have you caught up on? Is is She's writing a second book, right? She's taking a while. 
Oh, we're actually going to uh, mention it in our new releases. Oh, great. So I guess we'll, we'll jump right to it. Yeah. Uh, the first book on our new releases list for the month of September is The Golden House by Salman Rushdie, uh, released on September 5th and published by Random House. When powerful real estate tycoon Nero Golden immigrates to the States after a tragedy, he and his three adult children assume new identities, taking Roman names in an attempt to reinvent themselves and move into a grand mansion in downtown Manhattan. Arriving shortly after the inauguration of Barack Obama, he and his sons, each extraordinary in his own right, quickly establish themselves at the apex of New York society. The story of the powerful Golden family is narrated by their neighbor and aspiring filmmaker, Rene. And that is The Golden House by Salman Rushdie. Oh, Salman Rushdie is a very, like, he's a prolific writer, right? He's been around yeah, for a Yeah, he, he's the author of uh, The Midnight's Children, and that is, like, a very, very famous <laughs> magical realism uh, yeah, fantasy he's, um, novel. British Indian. The former husband, that's the only reason I know of his name, is he used to be married to uh, Padma Lakshmi. Uh, host that's of the Top only Chef. reason why you know him. <laughs> for shame. <laughs> He's a great author. He's a great writer. <laughs> Sounds exciting. The next new release is Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng, released on September 12th, uh, published by Penguin Press. So this is the follow-up novel, uh, or the, the sophomore effort of Celeste Ng, right? Yeah, it is not the sequel to Everything I Never it's Told You. It's not the follow-up. It's yeah. not the sequel. Yeah. Okay. I meant to say the next novel. Her second debut. Her sophomore debut. Her you can't debut twice. <laughs> you, can't, you can't. That is an oxymoron. A sophomore debut. <laughs> it's the second debut. The novel follows Elena Richardson, whose carefully planned world is shaking up when the alluring and mysterious artist Mia Warren moves to the placid suburban town of Shaker Heights and rents a house from the Richardson family with her teen daughter, Pearl. Elena is already suspicious of Mia, but when an attempted adoption of a Chinese-American baby divides the town in two, with Elena and Mia on opposite sides, she's determined to figure out her tenant's secrets once and for all, no matter the cost. So I got this book in the mail from Book of the Month, and I am so excited to read it because I think think Celeste Ng has beautiful prose and i just and she's got thriller chops suburbia is like a really good uh like setting for her i think <laughs> I, I think it fits her style of writing pretty well yeah we're well, looking forward to uh your thoughts on that and maybe i can grab that after you're done with it i know people have been talking about it on our goodreads forums so mm. um definitely if you've read the book or are reading it now would love to hear your thoughts yeah next on our list is war cross by marie Liu, released on september 12th published by putnam Emika Chen, an 18-year-old hacker turned bounty hunter, ekes out a life in New York City by tracking down criminals who illegally bet inside of a virtual world of Warcross, an immersive battle game invented by the 21-year-old billionaire genius Hideo Tanaka. Facing eviction, Emika recklessly hacks into the game to make some quick cash, only to have a glitch expose her identity to millions of viewers. Convinced she's going to be arrested, Emika is shocked when instead Hideo summons her to Tokyo and recruits her to be a spy on the inside of a global Warcross tournament in order to catch an elusive hacker called Zero. We and I have both read the arcs for this book, and uh, we were both fans. I love it so much. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It is like my aesthetic. My, like, <laughs> like Rainbow Street hair, heroin, cyberpunk, like yeah. virtual reality games. 
it's like everything that I want in a book, and I love it so much. Um, reading this is what I imagined the feeling of reading Ready Player One. Yeah, it, it definitely gave me Ready Player One feels. And like I said on this podcast, I do like that book despite its problematic elements. <laughs> but uh, Warcross, I, it really surprised me with its diverse cast. Like mm. you see not just like people of color, but you see like... Uh, people from other countries and you see people with disabilities yeah. and it was just like really refreshing to see because I'm I'm a very big gamer and <laughs> <laughs> I mean like my boyfriend and I went to a League of Legends uh, tournament I think it was like the semifinals wow. so yeah um, anyways I really yeah. liked it and I well, hope Marie Lu has a background in video game um, development, right? Yeah, she does. She worked in like the visual arts department, mm-hmm. I think, which is cool. It definitely yeah. like shows up in her writing. Um, and it's totally the first book of a series because it ends on a cliffhanger. It's a duology, so you don't have to like wait okay a long time for the <laughs> series to finish. Um, but yeah, if you if you I guess this this counts as a books and boba seal of approval. So if you like nerdy stuff. Uh, go check it out. Oh, nerdy. I mean, you and I are pretty big nerds. Yeah. yeah that, which is probably why we liked it. <laughs> yeah. Um, next up is Love and Other Consolation Prizes by Jamie Ford, um, released on September 12th, uh, published by Ballantine Books. Based on the true story, Ford's novel follows Ernest Young, a 12-year-old orphan of mixed Chinese origin, too old to dream of being adopted. Ernest is raffled off at the 1909 Alaska Yukon Pacific World Exposition to Madame Flora who runs a notorious high-class brothel. There he becomes the new houseboy and befriends Maisie, the madame's precocious daughter and a bold scullery maid named Fawn. Uh, but as their world of finery begins to crumble, all three must grapple with hope, ambition, and first love. Fifty years later, Ernest faces his wife's declining control over her memory, which endangers the secrets he has kept from their grown-up daughters. But, I mean, yeah. we're, we're going to mention Jamie Ford later in this episode because uh, there was some movie news regarding him. Yeah, um, Jamie Ford has, um, he, I think he's a, he's a Hoppe who's been, he's written a bunch of books too, right? He's a couple been, of books. He's been writing yeah. for a while. Um, um, next, sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, next is You Bring the Distant Near by Matali Perkins, released on September 12th, published by Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux. Perkins' novel captures the immigrant experience of one Indian-American family. It intertwines the stories of Rani, the matriarch who uproots her family from Ghana to find fortune in the United States, her daughters, Sonia and Tara, who struggle to find their identities and acceptance, and Anna and Chantal, Rani's granddaughters who fight injustices at home and in their communities. And that's You Bring the Distant Near by Matali Perkins. Today... Uh, the New Yorker, they announced the long list for um, the National Book Award for Young People's Literature, mm-hmm. and this was one of the top contenders. Nice. So congratulations to Matali Perkins. Yeah, it's, um, it's always good to see um, some South Asian authors being recognized on the list. Woo! <laughs> um, next up is Rebel Soul, that's S-C-O-U-L, like the city, by Axio, uh, released on September 15th. Um, published by two books. The year is 2199, and East Asia is in ruins. Korea, China, and Japan no longer exist as separate countries, but as members of the Neo Council. When ex-gang member Jaywon is recruited into the most lucrative weapons development division in Neo Seoul, he is eager to claim his best shot at military glory. But the mission becomes more complicated when he meets Terra, a government test subject trained to pilot one of the god machines, massive robots for a never-ending war. 
Amidst rumors of a rebellion to make Korea an independent nation again, Jaewon must decide where he stands, as a soldier of Neo Council or a rebel of the people. Let me just say, this is my book. Like, <laughs> I want this book in my hands right now. Like, oh my god, I, I'm such a big fan of Gundam and Pacific Rim. The fact that this book has giant robots yeah. and it takes place in like a militaristic, futuristic Asia. It just sounds so badass. <laughs> and I heard that Axie O, um, she was recently interviewed by NBC News uh, and NBC Asian America. And she said that uh, she did a lot of research by looking up Korean history. And um, I think her like major was in East Asian studies. So mm-hmm. I know that she like did her research. So I am super excited for it. It sounds awesome. And like Rira, I'm also a big fan of Mecha and Gundam. Lots of really good sci-fi for the year of 2017, by the way, yeah. by Asian American authors. I love that we're bringing in like, because like, you know, um, we've always had like the giant robots and like the battle tech mechs type of things. But now we're getting like more, more Mecha stuff, like mm-hmm. with, uh, with this book, with uh, Pacific Rim, even with uh, Greg Pak's. Uh, Met Cadet U, the the um, the new comic book series. Yeah, yeah. Getting more of these like, it's like the um, you know when zombies became fast zombies. <laughs> what? This is like when 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 mechs like, became fast mechs. Right? Okay, okay, I, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm excited for him. I'm a big mecha fan too, and yeah, yeah like I have two. Um, I have like two anthologies of essays that's like based that that like analyzes mecha in anime, <laughs> yeah, right. like. Like that's that was one of my college essays, so I was like, oh my god, oh, yeah, geez. such a big nerd, <laughs> nerd, nerd, nerd. Okay, next on our list is One Dark Throne by Kendara Blake, releases on September nineteenth, published by Harper Teen. In the sequel to Three Dark Crowns, Fenburn's deadliest queens are now battling for the throne following the unforgettable events of the Quickening. Catherine, once the weak and feeble sister, is stronger than ever before. Arsenault, after discovering the truth about her powers, must figure out how to make her secret talent work in her favor without anyone finding out. And Mirabella, once thought to be the strongest sister of all and the certain queen crowned, faces attacks like never before. Ones that put those around her in danger she can't seem to prevent. And that's One Dark Throne by Kendar Blake. Cool. Yeah. Dark fantasy. <laughs> Heard that there's a lot of uh, twists in uh, Three Dark Crowns and... Um, heard a lot of good things about it. So congratulations. To There's always something fun about um, succession and court intrigue. Um, I've been reading The Wall of Storms, the second book of the Dandelion Dynasty, and it's all chock full of that. Good stuff. We were still pretty surprised that I was able to finish the 600-page book and now working on the 800-page one. I'm like, I, I am surprised because we also have this month's book and even though it's short like i thought you would read that one first for some reason (laughs) i'll get to it you're just like no i'm just gonna read books that like rira did not assign me i'll get to it um next up is the way to be um by kat yay releases on september 19th published by little brown books for young readers taiwanese american beatrix lee is starting seventh grade newly friendless and facing big challenges at home where she is about to go from only child to big sister. Feeling alone and adrift, and like her words don't deserve to be seen, B takes solace in writing haiku in invisible ink and hiding them in a secret spot. But then something incredible happens. Someone writes back. And B begins to connect with new friends, including a classmate obsessed with a nearby labyrinth and determined to get inside. Next is Starfish by Akemi Don Bowman, releases on 
September 26, and it's published by Simon Pulse. With a mother who makes her feel unremarkable and ugly due to her mixed Japanese heritage, Kiko has always dreamed of attending PRISM, a prestigious art school, and escaping her toxic family environment. But when she is denied admission and an abusive uncle moves in with her family, Kiko jumps at the opportunity to leave her small town and tour art schools in California with a childhood friend. Finally free to be her own person outside the walls of her home life, Kiko must learn how to accept life-changing truths about herself and how to be brave. And that's Starfish by Kemi Don Bowman. I've heard that um, some, I guess, like, obviously trigger warnings, like, mm-hmm. they're... I mean, there's like hints of sexual assault. There's depression, oh. so it is it is more of a dark book, but um, not a middle grade. No, <laughs> not a middle grade. But um, you know, I'm like as someone who has like depression and, and anxiety. Like, it's always nice to see books for, uh, I guess, like young adults to like help them like understand more about their mental health and uh, yeah, you know, it's like it's really nice to to see more books like that pop up. It's important. Yeah. Um, and finally, our last book uh, for this list, uh, The Red Threads of Fortune and the Black Tides of Heaven um, by J.Y. Yang, pub- releases on September 26th by Tor.com. Um, the books are twin novellas of J.Y. Yang's Tensorate series, um, set in an East Asian-inspired fantasy world where children are considered genderless until they are ready to declare a gender. Uh, the series follows Makoya and Akeha, uh, the twin children of the Protector, the Red Threads of Fortune focuses on Akeha and the ability to see the strings of power that move adults to action, whereas Makoya, who sees prophetic dreams, is the protagonist of who sees prophetic dreams is the protagonist of in the Black Tides of Heaven. So yeah, those cool. are two books, and um, from what I hear, you can read them in whatever order. They're both kind of standalones. So, yeah. uh, and the covers look beautiful. They look. Freaking gorgeous! Cool. It's a it's a good play on the um, the the tradition of like naming your kids when they become of age, yeah. which is like an ancient Chinese thing. I think I don't know if Koreans do it, did it too. Uh, Koreans don't do that, but I know that in Japan, like mm. like there is the custom of dressing a boy in girls uh, mm. in a girl's kimono to prevent evil spirits from kidnapping the boys. Oh, cool. And those are our new releases for the month of September. As always, this is always a developing list. So if we missed anything, we'll be sure to um, catch it in a future episode. Um, but if you uh, if you come into possession of news um, that we did miss on this podcast, feel free to um, start a thread on the news desk topic of the um, Goodreads forums, and we'll discuss that with you. And we're going to move on to book news and book deals. Yeah. Um, so first up, the Potterverse celebrated September 1st, 2017, the date Harry Potter's youngest son, Albus Severus Potter, headed off to Hogwarts for the first time in J.K. Rowling's epilogue in Deathly Hollows. Fans tweeted using the hashtag 19 years later to celebrate on social media, while hundreds honored the day by going to King's Cross Station in London. So I like I saw photos on Twitter and saw- a lot of people cosplayed and it was pretty great to see so many Dumbledores in one place. <laughs> um, I did manage to catch this on Twitter. Again, um, the Harry Potter craze um, totally missed me. I mean, um, it's fine. We have an entire episode talking I about appreciate that. It, but I've never read a book. You should read the first one at least. Should probably stop admitting that on the air. The first one, though, like I feel like I would enjoy the later ones more. 
No, I think I think you would enjoy the first one. Mm. I think the first one is pretty great as a standalone. Like even if you decide not to read further, it's it's pretty good. So long. What the first one? It's like <laughs> it's like a middle books like thousand the, the pages. The first one is a middle grade novel, and oh. it's like two hundred <laughs> something pages. It's not that. It's the shortest one. I'll get to it after Goodbye Vitamin. Maybe Just listen to we'll the see. audiobook. I'm pretty I only sure read they have books like by Asian American authors now. Because of this oh, don't be snooty. Uh, next on our news list is Tortine picked up Andy Fukuda's novel, Dust Boy Ash Girl, which follows the story of two unlikely teen pen pals, a Japanese-American boy in Seattle and a French-Jewish girl in Paris at the turn of World War II. Publication is tentatively slated for fall 2019 with a second untitled book to follow. Oh. More historical fiction novels yeah. coming our way. Um, YouTube star and incoming Stanford University freshman Rachel Fong sold her first cookbook to Clarkson Potter, an imprint of the Crown Publishing Group. Fong runs the popular YouTube channel Kawaii Street World, and her cookbook will feature recipes for cute desserts and baked goods. I have seen a couple of uh, Rachel's videos on YouTube, and my God, like... Those desserts are so cute. She made like Totoro, like Swiss rolls. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, I wish I was that talented. I like, yeah, like, why even go to college? Just start your own bakery. Just like, I just <laughs> love cute things. Um, just kidding. Stay, maybe, maybe school, I will kids. learn once, once the cookbook comes out, <laughs> maybe I'll be able to teach myself. Yeah. Um, Jamie Ford's debut historical novel, Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, is being developed into a feature film with George Takei attached as an executive producer. The story follows Henry Lee, a Chinese-American boy in Seattle, who falls in love with Keiko, a Japanese-American girl, as she is sent to an internment camp during World War II. The film is slated to start production in 2018 with Ford co-writing the script. And it's going to star Scarlett Johansson and Matt Damon. No, don't say that. Jamie Ford, actually, <laughs> um, he said in a Hollywood Reporter article, I think, I'm not sure uh, which outlet it was, but he said that a lot of people have approached him for film rights and he just refused to uh, let, let, let those rights go because he was worried that uh, not the right people mm. would... Uh, would be attached to a project. And then George Takei came along. Well, yeah, like, I mean, George Takei and Allegiance, that's like pretty yeah. much the when same thing. When Uncle George vein. knocks, you answer that phone. He answered that, yeah. door. that funny, door. Funny story. Um, when I was a sophomore in college, I had an internship where uh, my my job was pretty much to read manuscripts and uh, and look up like film rights to see like if this was like if this book was good enough to be like an a film adaptation okay and uh at the time i had read i had just read hotel, hotel on the corner of bitter and sweet mm -hmm. and i thought man this would be a really good movie <laughs> if the right people were attached and mm. no one assigned it to me but i looked up the film rights and i was like it's available <laughs> <laughs> it's available but the people i work for are white and um. they're probably not gonna make a good version of this book I'm really um, excited about this project because it's how often do you see like two Asian Americans be in love on, in the movie? Yeah, that, right? that is what I'm really excited for because it is a love story between two uh, Asian American characters. And like, I actually really like the book and I'm, 
I'm pretty sure like whoever is going to direct the film, hopefully they do a good job because yeah. I really like this book. Um, Jokes aside, I'm looking forward to this project and um, looking forward to who they get to play the main characters. Um, our last story today is um, during an event at the Library of Congress's National Book Festival, Flashboy's author Michael Lewis commented on how his book won't be on the big screen anytime soon because Hollywood won't cast a movie with an Asian lead. Um, Lewis said the problem was revealed in the Sony hack. There are emails going back and forth about how impossible it was to make a movie with an Asian lead. They've gotten to the point where they're nervous about making an Asian guy a white guy. Decades ago, they weren't. They would have just done that. But they don't think there's a well-enough-known male Asian male actor, which I think is crazy. So I saw this floating around my Facebook feed, <laughs> and I was just like, hmm, why am I not surprised that Hollywood... <laughs> Didn't want to make an Asian so, male lead. For so their I movie. remember, I remember the original Sony hacking email. It was between um, Sony executive, I think it was Amy Pascal and Aaron Sorkin, um, the famed. Um, I think Aaron director. Sorkin was uh, the producer attached to Flash he was, Boys. Yeah, he was. He was attached. He was the um, screenwriter attached to Flash Boys. Oh, okay. And. Or he was, I think they were trying to get him to write for it. And basically he said, this movie will never be made because there, there aren't any Asian leading men. And remember, this was the incident that led to hashtag starring John Cho. Yeah. Um, that came out because of this specific email, right? Which, like, to be fair, John Cho probably could play Brad Katsuyama. But I kind of want to see, I think Randall Park would play it better. Because he's kind of more like a average looking asian dude like finance guy yeah. right i just think it's funny that you mentioned randall park because the whole like like catalyst for the sony <laughs> hack was uh his movie right. the interview uh with <laughs> seth rogan and uh well i was thinking about yeah i was thinking about the big short and how they make steve carell like a finance deal. like if they can do the steve carell they can do that to randall park but randall park is just like gold <laughs> in anything that he's in yeah so yeah, he would have played a great uh, Brad Katsuyama. Um, but so I've actually, actually I've actually read Flash Boys. It's one of um, the few books I read in, in recent times before the book club. And and I mean, it like the Big Short. It's more of a ensemble piece, anyways. There's multiple storylines, uh, multiple characters, and there's plenty of chances to like cast all your big name like white dudes around the world. Of Brad Katsuyama. There's no reason why like you can't give a kid a shot at that role. Right, it's like playing finance accountant dude, which is like what Asians are shoehorned into playing, anyways. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, Michael Lewis is obviously being super sarcastic here. I don't think he meant like to say there aren't any leading Asian American men. I mean, he said like the last part of that quote that you read was, but they don't think there's a well enough known Asian male actor, which I think is crazy. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, he's, he's saying like, yeah, they could probably find someone to, to play the lead, but they're just not trying hard enough. And what's interesting is like this specific problem is like nullified based on the previous story with Jamie Ford's, um, um, book being picked up to made into movies nullified by the fact that to, to the boys I love before that, um, crazy Rich Asians are being made into movies, and because, now like with like Hellboy, like yeah. Daniel Day Kim, <laughs> like no excuses whatsoever. They're yeah, like, and I, I'm I'm assuming that Sony hoped that this story would just kind of die die. But Flash Boys is one of like Michael Lewis's most recent books, and it was super popular. Like it was all about high frequency training, which I won't get into because it's it's not it's super interesting. Don't get me wrong, but it's hard to explain without sounding really really. 
nerdy and boring. But <laughs> um, basically, Michael Lewis adaptations are like Hollywood gold. I mean, they make a lot of money. The Blinds they made tons of money. Didn't even get like Sandra Bullock an Oscar. Like was, his his movies are all like Academy nominated at least. You know, The Big Short yeah. was huge. Um, the Blind Side was huge. Like his books. Honest, honestly, like his name alone would have made the movie a financial success, I, I think, yeah. in my opinion. I think people would have just gone to see it because they read the books. And the fact that it's kind of been held up in developmental hell just because whoever was attached to this project, the producers, the writer, was like, well, there's no Asians, so we can't make this movie. Yeah, It's still crazy that they haven't moved forward on it. <laughs> I mean, like... I find it really interesting that uh, Michael Lewis is saying that Hollywood would have just made the dude into a white guy. But like now, like because of all of the controversies as of late, like Ghost in the Shell, Death Note, Hellboy, like they're like actually really anxious about it. And I'm like, good, you should be anxious about it. But that's not a reason not to make it. Right. Yeah, like you like, don't want you don't want the fact that we're getting mad at your whitewashing means that oh we can't make this person a white person so we're not going to make this whole thing like no just make it an Asian person. But the thing right? that like, but the fact that they are nervous and the fact that they know that like people are going to make an outcry of it that is progress because it means that even if the white producers are not going to make it then somebody else is going to make it it's going to pass around i mean they can't hold (laughs) on to the rights forever right and i mentioned this on um the collabcast which is the other podcast that i host on um the podcast collective um but this is the same aaron sorkin that a year later realized he had white privilege (laughs) (laughs) so Again, like getting the right producers, getting the right people to like understand that this isn't a insurmountable obstacle is important because it's not. It's like you look at the pool right now and there's plenty of people who can play Brad Katsuyama. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like look at how well uh, Justin Chan's gook did well in, in like yeah. in theaters. like. People like people can't make that excuse anymore. <laughs> you just have to. You really have to like do the work now. Yeah, you have to be held accountable, Hollywood. I mean, if it. I mean, the silver lining here is, at least Hollywood is learning some lessons from it. The hope is they learn the right lessons from it. Well, like, I'm I'm more of a pessimistic person, but <laughs> the the silver lining that I can get out from this is that is the fact that we are seeing more Asian American creators and they are getting recognized for their work. Yeah. So it's like, oh, those people, if they keep making good stuff, they will have the power to make their own things yeah. without uh without like old Hollywood execs like interfering too much. And we're proving kind of similar to how the how um black filmmakers have been proving that there is an audience for these stories and it's a universal audience. Right, like just because it's an Asian American led film, just because it's an African American, just because it's a black led film doesn't mean that only black people, only Asian people will watch it. Everyone will watch it. Like everyone watched Get Out, everyone watched Girls Trip. And you know, everyone's gonna and watch let's, let's, everyone's Crazy Rich gonna Asians, Yeah, everyone's right? gonna watch Crazy Rich Asians. Like <laughs> who is not gonna watch that? Yeah. It's it's comforting to know, especially through this book club, that there are plenty of original source material. Like Hollywood's always looking for new ideas to mine. And, like, there's plenty. There's tons of people making stuff. Yeah. 
Like there's a reason why a lot of movies that come out now are based on books. Mm-hmm. They're based on short stories it's because <laughs> like those stories are good. Okay, like yeah, yeah Arrival was based on a short story read, written by, by Touch Asian American. Yeah. yeah, you know, um, there's there's good stories out here, and you know, let's yeah, like the more the more people see success, the more people want to do it. You know. It's a self-perpetuating... It's not self-perpetuating. I shouldn't say that. Um, and hopefully, you know, more success will lead to more cool stuff being made because I'd love to see... Um, like you mentioned, um, Grace of Kings was picked up by uh, by a studio to like to be optioned, right? Yeah. Um, last I heard of it was last year, actually. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's in development hell, <laughs> but I really hope that uh, they are still trucking along somehow. I mean, people are looking for the next um, the next Game of Thrones. That's a good I mean, there's one. so many spinoffs coming out. So That's true. HBO is covered. <laughs> but Grace of Kings sounds like a pretty cool aesthetic to see on screen. Yeah. Even um, though I haven't read this book yet. <laughs> and, you know, like like with um, J.Y. Yang, too, like there's a lot of people diving into this, you know, like different takes on the fantasy genre with different perspectives. And, and I'm really excited about that. But on that note, um, that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Uh, thanks again to Reva for putting together all um, the book news and the releases list together. Um, Reva works really, really hard to... Um, <laughs> In the on the back end of this book club, I mean, you don't realize how much just like mental anguish he goes through. Picking, mental anguish, picking the wow. next like the next um, a book club pick because she has so many check boxes in her mind that she wants to balance, and it's really really. I, I do yeah. want to apologize since you mentioned like uh, like book club picks. I, I understand that a lot of people have. Um, been having trouble finding goodbye vitamin at their libraries mm. i am so sorry i like my my personally like my my town has like five copies of that book <laughs> and like the wait the wait list was not that long so i had no idea that people would be waiting like two months to get their hands on goodbye vitamin at their local library so i really apologize for not like uh being aware of that beforehand but um, some, but like someone from our Goodreads forums mentioned that what might help is if we announced our uh, future book picks a little bit earlier than mm. um, than like just one month ahead. So yeah. I do want to mention if like if you are waiting for Goodbye Vitamin and you're looking for something else to read, our October pick is The Ghost Bride by Yang Zhu Chu, Yang Zhe Chu. Just in time for Halloween. Halloween. Which did I mention? I went to the local Costco and I know this is like. Oh no, I saw pictures yeah. and I was like, what? There are Christmas trees and reindeer up for sale in Costco right now. We've lost the world. The, the, the world is. Guys, the world Hall- makes no Halloween sense. is my favorite holiday. Nope, it's Christmas now. Everything's Christmas. No. Halloween canceled. Christmas won. <sighs> but yeah. Um, Check that out. And don't forget, the the September book club pick is still Goodbye Vitamin by Rachel Kong. We'll be discussing that on our podcast at the end of the month. Um, again, one more time, please join our Goodreads group and um, interact with us on the forums. Um, we love to hear from you guys. And um, all the all the action, all the updates are is making my my heart really, really happy right now. But uh, 
Woo. Yeah. We need good news. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you find your podcasts. Um, if you can, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. Um, it does help us out um, by reaching new people. And if you know anyone who is interested in reading, um, specifically looking for Asian, Asian American authors, please recommend our podcast. We'd love to... Um, to um, join you and your friends in in, in their homes. <laughs> before before we close out, though, um, Quincy, the host of Asian Americana, he did an episode on the origins of boba or uh-huh. bubble tea, and um, I think it was Clarissa Way mm-hmm. who um, defined what boba translated into, and boba translates to big titties. It's slang for big titties. Slang yes. for big titties. And when I told Dan this, he just bursted out laughing, saying, oh, so your book club name is Books and Big Titties. Mm, I mean, it's Boba. Um, well, you know. You do. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> and on that note, thanks for listening to this episode of Books and Boba, which means tapioca balls, not big titties. <laughs> Um, join us next week when we have a great interview with author Kathleen Birkinshaw, who, uh, who is the author of The Last Cherry Blossom, a middle grade novel about a young girl um, who living in Hiroshima leading up to the atomic bombing. Um, so um, we had a really great conversation with her. Um, so tune back next week for that. And yeah, thanks for listening. All right, keep reading, guys. This episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue and Reba Yu and edited by Marvin Yue. Follow Books and Boba on Goodreads, Twitter, and Facebook by searching Books and Boba. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of podcasts featuring unique voices from the Asian American community. If you like Books and Boba, check out First of All, a new podcast hosted by Minji Chang, giving an unfiltered conversation on career, family, love, and modern culture. Check out, first of all, any other great programs of the Potluck Collective by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. 